Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Berto Will is your host. Thank you so kind for being part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today. Uh, what's up, uh, Bridge MCP? Yes, they were doing toxicology. They were also doing things about whether the fentanyl in his body was sufficient to kill him. All that kind of stuff. Well, as it turns out, as it turns out, uh, the, 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 the prosecution put on a great case and they continue to put on a great case. A pulmonologist, yes, that's right. Rose Williams, welcome back. Welcome. Great to see you, my dear Rose. I hope all is well now. I checked up on you a few weeks ago. Uh, thank you so kindly for being out here. Eric Hayes, welcome aboard. Let's see. Bridge MCP was the first one in the chat. How are you doing, Bridge? Welcome aboard and glad to see you. Uh, E2247 says, Banks pledged to fight climate crisis, but their boards have deep links with fossil fuels. The Guardian by Emily Holden and Emily Atkin. You know what is so curious? There's a whole lot of stuff that happens with these banks and the, the bastions of capitalism, right? As it turns out, they came out and guess what they said? They came out and said things like, oh, minimum wage wouldn't really affect us all that much. But their lobbyists are still fighting it to the T. Same thing with energy. They understand a lot of these companies have already started to leverage themselves out of fossil fuel. Even the fossil fuel companies are investing in things like uh, bio, biofuels, all that kind of stuff. So you know how that goes. Anyhow, Bruce Pollard stopping by today. Great to see you, Bruce. Uh, Rose says, hi, everybody. How's that PDR posse? Uh, that PDR Posse going great. We need to get more members both into the PDR Posse and into our patrons. So, folks, please keep supporting the show. Thank you for those who are already doing so. Paul Fleming from ATL checking in. Welcome aboard. AVQ says, Facebook is missing me with is messing with me today. Auto-deleting some, but not all comments with links. So, what's going on? You're, you've reached the Facebook ogre. Go ahead and... Throw your messages inside of the YouTube, and I should transfer into Facebook, I hope. The Guardian 7, 77% uh, of board members, seven major U.S. banks have current or past ties to climate-conflicted companies, organizations from oil and gas corporations to trade groups. So says E2247 from The Guardian. Bridge MCP, we are great. Yes, we are. Uh, Rose Williams, have you been watching the trial? Yes, I've been watching the trial today. Sometimes it keeps me a bit too distracted, but I continue to do so. Uh, Eric Hayes says, hey, is a politics uh, uh, coffee mug considered infrastructure? Just asking for a friend. No, the coffee cup, the mug, is not considered infrastructure, Brother Hayes. I know it's a joke. I am laughing. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Rose Williams, no, just Dr. Tubin, pulmonologist. There's a guy that was the, the, the first the, the first guy the guy the Irish guy he's a um, he's a pulmonologist but he happens to know a lot of the chemistry as well and in fact that's I think the reason why they ask him a lot of the questions on fentanyl etc etc etc. I've been still sick. Oh, I so you're a long hauler, my dear friend. Uh, I have another friend in New York uh, that's going through the same thing right now. Bad news, illness getting worse, and I'm going to have. To retire, good news. Now I'll have plenty of time for political involvement. And you know what? That, that political involvement can be uh, therapeutic a whole lot of times as well. I can tell you that from some of my, uh, you know, I remember back when I was uh, doing this solely for the purpose of, um, of a coffee party. When I was only doing it under the coffee party nom uh, domain, I had a, a, a particular member that she was... 
very, very ill. And I mean as ill as one could get, but the politics is what brought happiness to her. And just knowing that she was able to, uh, the, her words, her testimony, all the things that she would say came out to people. So when we hear the testimony from yourself, um, uh, we, uh, Rose, we, we, we know that, well, you know, we can still function. Things can really go. So, I mean, everybody's here is a testimony. Carl Cox, most, if not all, corporations are greedy and corrupt. By definition, uh, if you read what Milton Friedman has to say about the corporation, that becomes evident. That becomes, uh, actually, that becomes their modus operandi. That is not, the executives aren't bad people. That's just how the, the corporation was designed to function. It was defined to, to maximize the profits for the shareholders, and the shareholders at all costs must be satisfied. Once we understand those things, we understand that we are just peons. We are just uh, cogs in the, on the wheel. Once we understand that, it's important. Welcome aboard, Michael Cisak. Great to see you. Uh, who else is here that I haven't acknowledged? Carl Cox, I think I just called you out. Anyhow, let's go ahead and get started. What is the program going to be about today? We have an interesting program for you today, and I have an interview with somebody that I really, really enjoyed. The interview wasn't as long as I would have liked it to be, but I really, really enjoy, uh, enjoyed the interview. Anyhow, title of the show, Arthur Kanagis discusses his new film, The World is My Country, Obscene Inequality, Voter Suppression. So let's go ahead. Why don't we just go get... Busy. Let's talk about voter suppression first, because I only have one thing to say about that, and then we'll move on from there. So let's get busy with that. Here we go. The voter suppression topic doesn't have all the pizzazz of a lot of what's going on right now. So when I see mainstream media goes ahead and continue to cover it with the, the kind of uh, dedication that somebody like Stephanie Rule is doing, it really makes me, it warms the heart because this is a serious issue that really needs uh, constant coverage to ensure that we embarrass Republicans and point out the fact that what these guys are really doing, suppressing the vote. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. This morning, the anger is intensifying over Georgia's recently passed voting law, but it could just be the tip of the iceberg. At least 361 new laws have been proposed in 47 states to limit mail-in early, in-person, and Election Day voting. And as criticism grows from corporations and Democrats, Republicans are pointing to blue state election laws as proof of an alleged double standard. Jane Tim has been busy doing some serious fact-checking, and for fact's sake, she joins us now. First, there's confusion about what was originally in the Georgia bill and what actually passed. Can you clear this up? Yeah, so some of the early provisions they looked at would have limited who could vote by mail, would have cut early voting. The eventual bill actually expands early voting, um, and that sort of seemed like maybe a dollop of sugar designed to make this go down a little easier. But it, it didn't work for corporations and for Democrats who said there's any barriers to the ballot box or just too many. Some Republicans are defending Georgia's law and they're pointing to Colorado, saying both states have voter ID requirements and they claim Colorado has fewer early voting options. I mean, they got a lot of drop boxes in that state. So how accurate is this argument? This is a pretty uh, unserious comparison because Colorado runs their elections almost entirely by mail. So while Georgia might have more early voting, Colorado's 15 days of early voting serves like 10% of the voters. And their voter ID policy is non-strict. You can use a utility bill, a paycheck. Georgia, we're talking photo ID from the government. 
This is why it is important for us to counteract what the misinformation the right-wing media has given to its listeners. The listeners of the right-wing media hears, oh, Georgia really expanded, voted, what did she call it? A dollop of sugar to allow it to go down a little bit easier. A dollop of sugar to tell you, okay, I'm going to give you a few more days, but these are all the restrictions that now are applied. We can overturn your election. We can, we, we, we can put somebody in jail if they try to feed you or give you water in a, in a line. We have to make sure that the amount of voter machines in every precinct is the same, which means a precinct that has more or or an area that has more people will still only get the same amount of machines, which means that the lines are going to be longer. And guess where that happens? In areas that are generally Democratic. Do not buy the crap. Do not fall for the spin. What the Republicans are doing, are try they're trying to hold on to minority rule by making sure many, many Americans lose their right to vote. We cannot let this happen. We have to get around it. We have to vote them out and put people in uh, office who truly and really believe in democracy. Hey, thank you, Breeze. Uh, I actually forgot to put that in the piece. Thank you very much, Breeze. What about the purging of votes? Yeah, if they were really concerned about democracy and making the, the, the process fairer, they, they would actually have said, okay, and what we're going to fix is preventing you from purging votes of people that we know are there. Deborah John, welcome aboard. She says, that pedophile congressman is getting ready to another age girl sex trafficking. Trump and every one of these Republican implicated in underage girl sex trafficking might as well turn themselves into authority. They are speaking with prosecutors and many Republicans are implicated. I, I haven't read that yet, uh, Deborah John, but I tell you what, um, it's interesting that all the, do you remember Pizzagate? Uh, that the Hillary Clinton and Democrats are supposed to be pedophiles. And it's amazing that all the things that they actually uh, throw on to, uh, let's say, what those Democrats are doing or what those uh, progressives are doing, somehow always turns out to be what they're actually doing. It's called projection. Projection is real. You know, I see a lot of people attack me on certain issues, and it generally turns out to be proje projection. In other words, that is how I really feel. Anyhow, Bridge MCP says if you have a hunting license, you can vote. If you have a voter ID and don't vote, it expires. What the hell is that? That's what Bridge says. That's so true. Bridge is so true. Rose Williams says, uh, replying to uh, my issue isn't COVID. Uh, although getting it didn't help, I keep on getting mononucleosis constantly because the aggressive chemo ah, and radiation I receive has damaged immune system. I understand immune issues, my dear. I so feel for you. Hang with it. Make sure stay eat right, stay healthy. You know all these things, but it doesn't hurt for us to actually go ahead and, uh, and do it. Whoa, I just saw it. You're right. Breaking news. Guy, Gates associate likely to – oh, it's not Gates. His associate is likely to plead guilty, which means he's likely to turn a lot of people in. Julie Van Astel, welcome. Damn, I'm late. Hopefully I didn't miss much. You just missed the first part about voter suppression, but we have a lot more politics than right to go, my friend. Deborah John says it's breaking news. Yeah, but it's not Gates who's going to plead guilty. It's his associate who's pleading guilty, uh, is supposed to plead guilty. All right, Paul Fleming, here in Georgia, if it takes us loading every church bus, fly equipped with food, water, and chairs, we will get it done. If they only give us one machine, we'll get it done. You are, that is what I've been trying to say, folks. We have to take that stance now, and thank you. You're in Georgia. Thank you, Paul. 
for reassuring us with that message that that is what's going through people's heads out there. That irrespective of the barriers they put in front of you, you are going to do what's necessary to register to vote and you're going to go out there and vote. I tell you, know, Obama used to say all the time, you know, uh, when, when they try to uh, stop us from voting, it's only worth 2 or 3%. So damn it, 2 to 3% more people get out there and do what's necessary to go vote. Go vote. You can do it. It's, a, it's our civic responsibility. I have been in this country since 1979. And from the time I became a citizen in the 90s, I think I became a citizen in either the late 80s. I think actually I became a citizen, I think, in the 90s. I think that's what my naturalization paper says. I've not missed a vote. I, I read the Constitution. I read everything that there is, and, and I understood what folks fought for, the, for voting. And, I mean, I would go to the polls sick with my face covered to vote. And the reason why is you understand how important that is. Anyhow, enough of that. Enough of that. The little engine that could, according to Eric Hayes. Let's go ahead and go to the second video. But, uh, and then after that, I want to show you a Common Dreams article. Let's go to the second video and then we'll move on from there. On Politics Done Right, we talk about income and wealth disparity, income and wealth inequality, a whole lot. Because we understand that it is systemic. And it's not only systemic, it's by design. Our economic system, the, the, the arithmetic, the mathematical formula that governs our economic system makes it impossible for what we are seeing occurring not to occur. I want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. Last year, even as the nation battled the coronavirus, the U.S. saw an exceptional amount of wealth created. But that increase was hardly even across income and racial groups. Steve Ratner, show us your charts on this rise in wealth. Sure, Mika, and I'm going to start with trillions because $11 trillion of new wealth was created last year. Uh, across America. That's about a 12 percent, uh, about a 10 percent increase, excuse me, to $121 trillion of total net worth. But as you suggested, it's not nearly evenly distributed. So if you look at this first chart on the screen here, on the left side, you see the top 1 percent. 1 percent of American households garnered 35 percent of all the wealth that was created last year. The next 9 percent, mm. coincidentally, also got 35 percent. So 70 percent went to the top 10% of Americans. The next 40% of Americans only got 26% of the wealth created. And then, of course, you have the whole entire bottom half of Americans, 50% of Americans, who only got 4% of the wealth created. Now, you mentioned looking at it by race, and so let's take a look at that on the next chart. And what you'll see here is not going to be totally surprising. Uh, whites who comprise 60% of the population got 84% of this increase in assets. Uh, African Americans, black people, got, went, who are 13% of the population, got only 5%. And look at Hispanics, who are 19% of the population, and they got only 2% of the gain. And then, so what does the scorecard look like when you get done with all these gains? If we take a look at the next chart, what you can see is that the top 1% of Americans had an average $30 million at the end of last year. That is obviously a huge number. Remember, it includes all the people with $100 billion and more, the Zuckerbergs, the Elon Musks, the Jeff Bezos, and so on. But it did take $4.4 million 
to get into this category of the top 1%. So 4.4 million is the minimum, 30 million is the average, and they have their assets across a mix of real estate, stocks, uh, private companies, and things like that. The next 9% only had assets worth on average $4 million, and then the, the next 40%, so we're still in the top half, had assets of $680,000, and 50% of Americans, the bottom half of Americans, had average net worth of $39,000. Mm. So we have not done very well at helping, at redressing the income inequality problems that we have in this country. And folks, let me tell you what is, as an activist, as a social justice and economic justice and a criminal justice activist, let me tell you what is frustrating. What's frustrating is there's nothing surprising about this because this is what happens based on the mathematical formulas that govern our economic system. So what we do is we talk about this. We have economists on TV that talks about why this is happening. And then uh, later on in that discussion, they started to discuss, well, that is why, uh, because the rich folks are now scared that they have amassed so much and so many people are in dire straits, that they, they really want something done. And that's why Amazon came out and said, yeah, they're willing to pay the taxes that Biden wants corporations to pay. That is why they came out and said, uh, well, we want to do more philanthropy, giving away more of our money. They missed the point. The point is those who have those riches did not earn those wish, uh, riches with their worth. It's the design of the economic system that afforded them the worth that they have based on the pieces of worth they took away from you. But the difficulty that we have is there's such an impact in the mainstream media to have you believe that this system is a meritocracy, that if you are good, uh, if you know what you're doing, if you are willing to take chances, that more likely than not you will succeed and become have the ability to become rich because everybody has been implant that has been implanted in our minds that somehow we have a good probability of being rich a good probability of doing very well the fact of the matter is it is stacked against us all some of us are going to make it and I'm sure you know a lot of people who've made it fine but for all those people that have done well they don't show you Appalachia. They don't show you the ghettos. They don't show you the barrios. They don't show you the struggling people all in these islands of wealth. And what we have to do is stop looking at these things superficially and start asking the question, how is the design of our economic system allowing this to happen? There's one basic formula. If the wealthy's wealth grows faster than the wealth of everybody else, they continue to get more wealthy exponentially. Because what happens is they're already on top and they have with which to expand their realm. Those that have little or nothing, they are starting from a lower basis and they can never catch up, they can never get there. The exception occurs, yes. That a friend of yours got rich because of an invention they got that was allowed to hit the market. And notice what I said. Was allowed to hit the market. Because most people, most people, like, like I say all the time, most people are smart. Most people are intelligent. 
most people won't be given the offer to come on board the train that brings them to riches. And we have to understand that this is a systemic problem. This is a problem. It's a defect in our economic system. And until we fix the economic system to really give people the ability, equal access to success, until we really fix that, we will never, ever get out of this quandary. And you know, there was an article that really uh, touched me uh, today. When I, you know, I, I, I was going to be talking about this. And then uh, this article came out uh, at Common Dreams. I thought I had a link to it in there, but apparently uh, in my haste, I didn't put the link in there. I'm, I'm going I'm to try to find it as, as, as I speak here. But there's this guy who, uh, you know, he got COVID on the job. And after he got COVID on the job, uh, he, they, gave him, they, they gave him something nice. All right? I want you to see this story. This is important. Because it shows you the, the evil within. And, you know, we, we have reached the point where we don't, even, we don't even define evil the way it should anymore. Right? Because we've learned to take so much. We've learned to take so much. Check this out. While hospital janitor got a $6 cafeteria voucher when he returned, its CEO took home $30 million. The CEO of the hospital took home $30 million. Ask yourself the question, because we always have a group of folk who come against lefties like myself and say, well, he worked for it, he earned it, he, he worked his way up. What in God's name gave that guy $30 million. In a dramatic but all too common illustration of the intensification of income inequality in the U.S., a janitor at a medical center in Missouri who contracted COVID-19 on the job last year was named Employee of the Month and given a $6 cafeteria voucher upon his return to work while the CEO of the firm that owns the hospital saw his total compensation package grow to $30.4 million. Receiving a $6 cafeteria gift card after surviving the coronavirus stung me to the bone. Jamil Brown, a technician who sanitizes and sterilizes rooms in the emergency room department at the Research Medical Center in Kansas, told NBC News Wednesday. It made me sick. It made me sit back and say, this place doesn't care for me. Of course it doesn't, said Brown, a member of the Service Employees International Union who makes $13.77 an hour after nearly four years at the hospital. My God. Oh, so he, he didn't even get one hour's worth of salary for that gift card, right? Research Medical's owner, HCA Healthcare Inc., is a profitable publicly traded uh, network of 185 hospitals and 121 freestanding surgery centers in 20 states in New England. Even in the year of COVID-19 2020, the company generated $51.5 billion in revenue and increased its pre-tax earnings by 3.6%. Its shares are up 14% this year. Wow, a pandemic, but it goes up versus 10% on the standards and poor 500 index. The performance helped boost the total compensation HEA's chief executive, Samuel N. Hansen, received last year to $30.4 million, a 13% rise from 2019. In other words, everybody else is losing money. 
and he got a 13% raise. Documents show, although Hazen's salary was 5.8% lower in 2020, the total worth of his compensation equal 556 times the compensation received by the median employee of HCA. In other words, half of HCA people make $54,000 or above. He makes 556 times what they make. We, you know, we keep screaming about this, screaming about this, screaming about this. Let me tell you why we keep screaming about this. We keep screaming about this and talking about this because we have been too passive. We have been electing people who continue to fool us and tell us, oh, you can do it too. It's a meritocracy. If you just follow the rules, you can make it. When, when are you going to realize that it's a lie? When are you going to realize that the way America is set up right now, the way capitalism works, is you have to be chosen to, into the game. And a lot of people, you know, you have to be chosen into the game. And then there are those who guard the gates. You know, remember that? You remember the thing that I just showed you where you saw 10%, 1% owns 35% of the gains. Then another, 10 per, another 9% got the other 35% of the gains, meaning the top 10% gets 70% of the gains. And then the next 40%, meaning... Only shares 26% of the gain, and then the bottom half of the country only gets 4%. Some of them are negative, of course. We've been lying to ourselves for so long. You know, it is like a spouse that gets beaten every single time. And the spouse's spouse tells them, I'm so sorry, it won't happen again, I'll get better. We've been saying this since 1980. Since Reaganomics started, we've been saying this. Oh, it's going to get better. And we make changes around the edges. And oh, glory, glory, hallelujah, we're happy. Folks, what it takes us to do is start listening to the people that are telling us the truth. Start listening to those who are telling us why these things are occurring. This is embedded within our economic system. The basic formula is like I stated there. If the wealthy can grow their income at 7%, and the rest can grow their income at no percentage or at 2%, they constantly are extracting from us all. And that is exactly what the numbers show. They are constantly taking from us. You know, it's not like they are so smart that these things are, these nice things are happening to them. They are taking from us. It is legalized theft. It is legalized theft, and we have to start expressing it in those terms. We have to start saying that your wealth is what you have not paid us. Your wealth is what we are paying for in the streets. Your wealth is what you are taking away from me. And when we start to not only think that, realize that in the heart, that that is what is happening, then we will start to vote for those lefties that really mean something. I'm not talking about just Democrats or Republicans. I'm talking about those people that are really talking social change, economic change, changing the economic system to an economic system that works for us all. Yeah, Biden has a few teasers that he's putting out there. Let's make sure that people can have health care and all these things that that he hopes to grow into true Medicare for all, that we hope to grow into a social safety net that gives mothers and fathers the ability to have their kids taken care of appropriately so that they can work, so that they can form their own businesses, so that they don't continue to give all their wealth and their worth to a few billionaires every year. Because, again... Let's, I, I, I like to beat up on Jeff Bezos because he's the clearest example 
of somebody who produces nothing and, and, and has the highest worth. Remember what Jeff Bezos does. Jeff Bezos uses the intellect of everybody. I sell a printer. I sell a screen. I sell, a, I sell, a, uh, I, I sell your service. I sell all these things I sell. And I take a piece of everything. I don't have to have any intelligence at all. I also hire engineers that I pay a good salary to to come up with a hell of a system that can distribute to different warehouses. All these products I'm accumulating from the intellect of others, from the smarts of others, including, again, I write this book. Jeff Bezos gets a piece of this book. I write, wrote this book. Jeff Bezos gets a piece of this book. I wrote this book. Jeff Bezos gets a piece of everything. Everything. Now, look, here's the deal. We have to start acknowledging our worth. And it can't be one person or two or ten or a million. We have to do this among each other. We have to tell everybody how using, we're not going to get it from the news media, of course not, because they're dependent on their pay from the, from the oligarchs. That's how, who run the commercial. You know the, the, you know the drug commercials that they run on, on these stations? Remember, we paid for those drugs. The, re the initial research for those drugs, we paid for it. And then when it was time to monopolize on it, they give a kickback to the school or the researcher. They take it. They, they, they claim they do a few things to it. And then they charge us an arm and a leg to sell us back the product that we paid to develop. And then they say, oh, well, uh, how much is it going to cost? Whatever the market will bear, we got price and power. Because we allow them to do it. How do we allow them to do it? By electing people who believe in this crap called a unfettered capitalism. We got to get rid of it. We got to get rid. We have to have free enterprise with a strong social safety net. That is what we should be striving for. That's what I have in my book called how to make America utopia. That is what we should be fighting for. But before we, it's time for me to really quickly say, hey, folks, please go ahead and support Politics Unright. If you are on YouTube right now, please click the join button. Please, please become a supporter of the program. We try to get this stuff out all over. Please help us support it by clicking that join button to become a member of the PDR Posse. Uh, by the way, uh, if you don't see that join link, you can go, or if you're on YouTube or Twitch or the others, just go ahead and go to politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. You can also decide to support us by getting our mug. Yes, our mug designed by one of the PDR Passes leaders, Bridge MCP. And how do you get that mug? You get that mug by going to our store. And here is the store to get that mug, folks. You can go ahead and get that mug or any, many of the other mugs or the t-shirts or the hoodies or the face masks, all of that that we sell to help us defray the cost of all the things we got to do, the 16 hours a day to do politics and random. And by the way, I'd love to get some help to hire some uh, copy editors, hire producers, because doing everything one person, I promise you, is 16 hours a day. That is very difficult. It's hard to write at the same time. So I ask you very kindly for your support. Please consider clicking that join button on YouTube. By the way, if you join right now and I get that green sticker, I'll stick it up on the screen so we can say, hey, we got our new member. Look at all those folks that have bought the cup so far. There is 
Bridge MCP, we have uh, Norman, we got Lou, we have Linda E, we've got Sue, we've got Pat. Thank you guys. And if anybody else who purchased it that want to go ahead and send me a good old uh, picture as well, uh, bring it on and I'll put it out there. But again, I have the link in there. Now, you can also support us by becoming a patron. That's another way. We, we have about... I don't know, about 134, 135 patrons or so. We need a lot more. We, we, our goal was to get 1,000 patrons, 1,000 PDR Posse, and I think, I don't remember how many um, of the PayPal membership we, we, we needed to start saying. We can really start doing a whole lot more stuff. But anyhow, please consider uh, becoming it. So get your mug with a mug. Yes, get your mug with a mug. And here is the link to become a patron, politicsdoneright.com slash patron, politicsdoneright.com slash patron. Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and you can support us via PayPal as well, politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. By the way, folks, you see that book that you see on the screen right now? It's worth it, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relative Friends and Neighbors. I wrote that book before the election because I wanted us all to be engaged with our brothers and sisters on the right. Because, look, most people are good. I, on, I believe that in the depths of my heart. Most people are good. We are linked. We, we, the problem is the influences we have from externalities, and those are the things that have this chaos in this country. If we get over that, we can then really elect the people that really are going to support us. So what I believe in is talking to all sides, making sure we come to some conclusion, agree on. We, look, if you take a look at what people agree on, most of the things they agree on, I promise you that. But anyhow, go ahead and get my book. You can go ahead and get it at Amazon. And there you go. Amazon gets a big piece of it. Actually, when you purchase my book, Amazon gets most of it. Most of it. I promise you that. You can look it up and see when you publish a book through Amazon, what percentage they get. They get most of it. Now, secondly, you can also uh, go to our store to cut out the middle person and get our book at politicsandright.com slash store, politicsandright.com slash store. And you can get our, our nice little products as well. All of that help us do what we need to do. Anyway, thank you so kindly for listening. Now it's time for us to go to our special guest. And who is our special guest? Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. Today we have a very special guest. Arthur Kanagis is president of Future Wave Inc., a nonprofit organization dedicated to shifting our culture of violence to a culture of peace. He is the director producer of The World is My Country, about the amazing adventures of world citizen number one, Gary Davis. Prior to producing the feature length documentary, he produced the award winning short film on the same subject, One, The Gary Davis Story, and wrote an award winning screenplay for a narrative feature as well. Before that, Kanagis produced War Without Winners, narrated by Paul Newman and filmed by Haskell Wexler, a compelling TV documentary on the nuclear war issue. Welcome to Politics Done Right, author. How are you doing today? A real pleasure to be with you, Egberto. Looking forward to your show. Absolutely. So, but any, anyhow, let's, let's go ahead and get busy about, tell me a little bit about yourself first. What got you into doing documentaries of this nature? Well, when I was working on actually doing the, uh, the, the War Without Winners film with Paul Newman, uh, we also got the opportunity to, do, uh, to, to help with the film the day after. I was just a researcher on it, but I was there in Washington, D.C., and when it, they were building the sets, and they said, okay, you know, 
uh, one mile from the epicenter, what's it going to look like? I'd go over to the Pentagon, do all the research, and, and fax it out to them. It was before we had email, we'd fax back and forth. Right. And I woke up with nuclear war nightmares. I mean, I, I would wake up and say, you know, usually you can say, oh, there's not really monsters under the bed, but there were monsters under the bed and all around us, and we could be destroyed in a moment's notice. And I just started to get paralyzed with fear. And uh, I, uh, I then... Uh, thought back to um, what a song we'd sang when we were in, in first day school in Quaker meeting, and it said, there's an ocean of darkness, and I drowned in the night till I came through the darkness to the ocean of light, and the light's forever, and the light makes us free. I'll dwell on the glory of the light, said he. And what struck me about that is the deeper you dig into almost any area, you get to think, if you thought that was bad, it's worse than that. And if you thought that was bad, it's 100 times worse. And if you thought that was bad, wait till you hear this. And you can drown in that. And at the same time, all around the world, people are helping each other, reaching out. I, I'm in Rotary all over. We're helping people get glasses, vision, people helping dogs get spayed and neutered, people loving their kids, their flowers growing, oceans out here. And there's an ocean of light. And I decided that I wanted to dwell in that ocean of light. If what we imagine helps create our reality, then why do we keep imagining only horrible things and wondering why we're not getting to the positive future? And I decided to dedicate my life to films that gave us a vision and hope and, and the joy of experiencing moving into the positive future that we the people can create uh, in the people-powered planet. You know? <laughs> I, I love the, the little sign behind you. And you know, what you said is so profound. Um, I remember watching The Day After and that that movie, you know, it, it, it made you upset because uh, these are all things that are controllable, things that you that you have control over that doesn't have to be that way. So I enjoyed that. Now, when you talk I love about what you said, I love what you said about control over, because uh, that's the key. I mean, some things, you know, the meteor hits us. OK, maybe there's nothing we can do about it. But there's no reason why we have to so stupidly get ourselves in a position to destroy our own planet. And, you know, uh, you see this picture of uh, Wizard of Oz. That right. Gary used to love, the guy who did the movie about, used to love the Wizard of Oz because she kept thinking, oh, the high and mighty wizard's going to save us. I've got to find him. And he turned out to be this guy behind the curtain. And she realized the power wasn't her all along. She just had to click her finger, her, her feet together, and we just have to click our minds to thinking of world ourselves as world citizens and we can rise above these nation states and these divisions that are dividing us. And we, the people, do have the power to create the beautiful people-powered planet of our dreams. And that's what the movie Gary Davis, was, Davis, The World is My Country, is really all about. Before we get into that, though, because I want to give, you know, we are a political show that give a whole lot of context to a whole lot of stuff. And what you just said was ever more profound. And I, I, and I want to mention this. When we talk about having control, when we talk about not only thinking about, when you talk about the sea of darkness as opposed to why not look at the sea of light, we are in control. We can determine whether we have a sea of darkness or whether we have a sea of light. I think that is that that is a focus, that is a tunnel vision that we ought to have. The, the reason the planet is in a condition it is, is not because of the masses, but because of the few who control the masses, the few who are instantiating things that create all the problems that we have. So I, you know, there, there are so many permutations to what you've said that, that yeah. I think if you make more movies about it, if you make more movies that people want to watch about it, it'll enlighten them. One of the things we do here is we try to get people to get out of the indoctrinated state that they're in within these 
countries and start yeah. thinking more broadly. And I, and I think it's great what you did. You, you centralized this particular uh, project of yours on Gary Davis. Yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Gary Davis first, and then we'll expand on that. Excellent. Well, you know, Gary started off, all he wanted to do was to make people laugh. He was a song and dance man on Broadway. And he got in the chorus of Let's Face It, and he got to stand in when Danny Kay got laryngitis. He got to stand in for the great Danny Kay in the golden age of Broadway. And he got 13 curtain calls. People couldn't believe this kid on his way to a Broadway career. Boom, World War II, he's in a bomber plane. He's bombing the city of Brandenburg and his own brother is killed. And he says, my God, why am I killing other people's families and brothers just because they're on the wrong side of some invisible line that I can't even see from the air? This is insane. And he gets home, sees footage of Hiroshima, says humanity is in trouble. But what can I do? You know, I'm just an actor. Um, and then he gets this brilliant idea. He goes to Paris where the United Nations is meeting and with Albert Camus, Jean-Paul Sartre, all these famous intellectuals, interrupting a session of the UN and yes. pulling off this grand act of political theater that rivets war-weary Europe. Uh, 20,000 people rally with him at the, at the velodrome on December 9th, and the very next day, the 10th, the Soviets, who for years have been blocking the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, step aside and let it get passed unanimously. So it's an incredible story about a man who is a citizen of no nation, only the world, and the incredible with uh, and for instance, Einstein said that Gary grasped the key to whether humanity will die by its own hands or continue to exist. Now, as I understand it, uh, he was drafted into the army. He flew B-17 yes. bombers. He bombed a few yes. towns, etc. And there's something about his brother being killed, uh, giving him that catharsis, if you will. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, okay, so he's this B-17 bomber pilot. It was an incredible plane that could get through all kinds of flak and keep flying. And and he had his, uh, his, his uh, uh, he, he was gleeful about bombing Pinamunda, uh, the war, war plants of Hitler. But when he was ordered to bomb Brandenburg, something snapped. And it happened because his own brother had been killed at Salerno. And his heart was broken. And he was just, his brother, his brother was like, uh, almost like a dad to him. He was an older brother and his dad had been on the road. Uh, he was a, a big a showman with the Meyer Davis Orchestra. <clears throat> Played for 11 different presidential balls, uh, all the way from, you know, Hoover, Kennedy, and so on. And um, he, he's, this, is, this was a catharsis for him. I mean, imagine the pain that, you know, you, you've just blown all these people up in their schools and factories. He said, why wasn't I arrested for that? Why weren't the people who killed my brother arrested? And he came to an incredible realization. He said, inside every country on the planet, it's illegal to murder people. Outside, it's not. There's no law at the global level. I can murder somebody. I can get a medal for it. This is crazy. It, inside a country, like when, 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 in, when we had a domestic act of terrorism, like when, uh, when Tim McVeigh blew up the federal building in Oklahoma, they didn't retaliate against the Michigan, Michigan for harboring the Michigan militia. I mean, you know, it's a criminal justice thing. You had. He thought, well, my God, if we can create, you know, world courts, if we can have a, a governing system for the world. Uh, we can outlaw war, but then what about how we see the horrible 
terrible things governments do, you know, you, and he says in the film, does world government scare you? He says, well, it does me too. If it's that same old, you know, forces of power and money, the new world order, but that's happening, folks. That's the, that's the corporations and money acting globally. You see, originally in Jefferson's day, the corporations were under the people. Uh, they got a 20 year charter. If they didn't serve the public need, uh, it would get revoked. You know, people could control them. But because we're locked in those boxes called nation states and they're operating globally, they said, oh, you try to control us, we'll move to another country. You try to control our pollution, we'll go there. You try to tax us, oh, no, no, please stay here. We need your jobs. And so they got to be on top. They got all the power and money. They pick our politicians. They run the world. But every constitution and the Declaration of Independence that Gary realized says it is the right of the people to govern. It is the right of the people to institute government, the Declaration says, the will people shall be the authority of government. Similar words all over say that we're supposed to be in charge. And where are we in charge globally? Can we elect anybody to go to the UN? Can we vote for anybody? Do we have any say in the, at all at the global level? No. So what are we going to do? Wait for them to give it to us? Uh, did, did, did the people who put out the declaration say, oh, please, England, won't you, won't you let us be a country? Will you? There's not an application for independence. It's a declaration, for God's sake. So you don't apply. You just do it. And Gary said, just like Dorothy, who clicked her feet together, we just have to realize we're the ones with the power, and we the people get together and build a whole new interactive system not win-lose democracy, Gary advocated, but something he built around, uh, uh, you know, Buckminster Fuller's geodesic sphere idea. Something where we're all on top of that sphere, that whole new organization kind of chart way of doing it. And in little like Zoom meetings like this, but with with tools that bring us together, you, know, you get Arabs and Israelis and Israelis in the same Zoom, and and red states, blue states, whatever. And you have these uh, this toolbox of interactive, you know revolutionary conversations, uh, finding out what's people's real hopes and needs, bringing them together and coming together with a consensus of what we the people want in building the planet we choose. And so it's a, it's a powerful vision and a powerful spark for inspiring us to start thinking about how to create a better way to run our world. And that's what drew me to want to do this incredible movie. Well, I mean, that is excellent. The, to have Martin Sheen be the one that is given, given, uh, put in, help uh, promoting the, the movie. I think it's on PBS this month, correct? Yes, it's on public television stations across the country. Each local station is doing it at different times and places. Uh, there's over 50 stations uh, uh, so far, and there's more coming every day. If you go to theworldismycountry.com and click on, well, you'll, you'll see the button right at the top, public TV. It shows you the ones that are already playing it, what their times are and so on. And also how if, if, if you don't see your city there, how you can help get it there. We just had, for instance, in Vermont uh, and in uh, Albuquerque, we had stations that when they got uh, a lot of interest from the local community and people involved, especially if people want to run local spots about their organization during it, you know, they've jumped on board to show it. So we'll let you know how how uh, you can be part of the of the community support your stations want they don't want people lobbying them to do things but they do want to know they've got community support well i mean that that is so important i mean i, I want to go back to something you mentioned because uh what you, you you talk about nation states you talk about when mcveigh uh, blew up a building nobody says let's go bomb michigan but if uh somebody from saudi arabia or somebody from eritrea comes here and they bomb something we go blow without looking at the consequences of what we do makes a whole lot of lot of sense. We have to remember Davos. You made a very important point. 
the corporation used to be below the people. Now they're above the people. In fact, they have something called personhood, which means mm. they are a super person. Well, yeah. They're a super person and they, they operate out. I mean, not they operate, they congregate in Davos where they run the world. So we already have a one world government. It's just that it's controlled by a very few. What we're talking about is government where we, the people, are all in control. And a lot of people Absolutely. think that a lot of people think that is utopia. The next book I'm writing is called uh, that I, I'm almost done with it right now. It's called um, How to Make America Utopia, and it really should be mm. in the long run how to make the world utopia. And the thing that people don't mm. understand is go, back to what you're saying here. It's a matter getting to people in these different manners that you spoke about via Zoom, via getting congregations between Israelis and Palestinians, between the, the red and the blue. All of these are false divisions created to keep a few in power. And that's one of the reasons Absolutely. I don't get mad at my mm -hmm. opponents. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a left winger. I don't get mad at my right wing brothers. <laughs> I embrace them. Yes. And, I, and, in, in, and in, in listening to you, in watching you, I see that that's the same modus operandi that you're following, which I think it's important. Look, we're getting close to the end of this uh, thing. Usually I ask a lot of questions, but somebody like you, there's not, it's not necessary because you promote it all in your narrative. So I appreciate that. Uh, but what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't ask you? Um, well, uh, why don't you ask me about uh, our People Powered Planet podcast where uh, every week, people can tune in. Well, tell me. Wait, okay. you, know, you don't every, have to tell me Wednesday. to ask you. You go ahead and you throw it out there, brother. <laughs> every Wednesday at uh, at 10 a.m., we have a People Powered Planet podcast where we bring in guests like you who've been thinking about this. Uh, you know, how do we build this better world? We're looking for solutionaries. And uh, I want to hear about your new book. Maybe you're just kind of the kind of solutionary we want to have on our show. Uh, and just go to peoplepoweredplanet.com. And you'll see, you can sign up for a weekly club or you can try it out free and just uh, uh, come join us in uh, helping to find the solutions to the problems of the world that start with we the people, as you mentioned, and uh, take our power back. We the people on the planet, you know, we are the superpower. That's why they like to keep us divided and, and in these separations. The more they can divide and separate us and get us mad at each other, that's how, that's how they stay in power. But once we the people come together, you know what's gonna happen? They're going to, at a certain point, stop fighting us and say, oh, we want to join you. They're going to put out ads. You know, we're part of the, 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 the people-powered planet. We want to support you. We want, you know, when, when we, when we, they fight like they fought tooth, you know, seatbelts, tooth and nail. But when they had to do it, then, oh, it's put out in all their ads. We're all for it, you know. So we, the people, have to take back our power. They're only doing that, not because they're bad, evil people, but because money is forcing them. The monetary system is forcing them into that. We have to start evolving a new economy, a new circular economy, and we the people are the ones to do it. Author Kanegas, president of Future Wave and director of the one, the Gary Davis story, and the new, the new, the new film is called? It's called The World Is My Country. The World, the world Is My Country. The World Is My Country. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Then Right. Okay, thank you. Look forward to talking to you again. Absolutely. Maybe on our show. <laughs> Absolutely. We spend a lot of time. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. We're coming close to the end of the show. Uh, let's see what I've got here. Hey, I see you're checking out early, Bridge. 
Look, man, you take care. Thank you for being here. Let's see what else I've got here. Uh, with Medicare for All, employers should have to pay for medical insurance, uh, uh, would not have to pay for medical insurance, and could pay higher living wages to their employees. Look, we need to take, I mean, uh, employers do not belong in the health provider business. I, I've been trying to say that for a long time. AVQ says, used to be corporations had to show they promoted uh, the public good. Now they're only responsible in promoting shareholder profit. That is what, that is what he said. That is what Milton Friedman said. Uh, let's see. Uh, Charlie Lindahl, welcome aboard. The color of compromise. The truth about the American church's complicity in racism. Zoom meeting in Houston. Oh, so you're having a Zoom meeting. Uh, go ahead and put the link in there before we shut down so people can get a chance to do that. You, I think you're with the, um, uh, what is, uh, with your, is that with the church, uh, uh, Unit, Unitarian Church? Anyhow, let, let me go ahead and continue. Breach, uh, Julia said, I'm trying to remove gel polish while listening. LOL. It's hard to type when your fingers are wrapped in foil. I would think so. <laughs> Charlie Lindahl, funded by Montgomery County NAACP. I had no idea that there was a local chapter, and it's facilitated by our friend Lorena Perez McGill. Thank you, Lorena. Lore uh, Lorena won her position, right? Anyhow, let's continue here. Uh, going back up to see. Bruce says, not true. I was with him when he went over the price of health care and how it would be cheaper if we had a one-payer system. I mean, it's a mathematical certainty. It's a mathematical certainty that a single-payer system is more efficient. You know, we, we have to go into convoluted forms to convince people that what's right isn't. The, 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 the worst part about it is that some people buy into it. And that is the thing. Those are the things that we need to fix. That is why we have politics done right. Anyhow, folks, we've got to get out of here. But before we get out of here, I need to do one last appeal. Please consider joining our PDR Posse by clicking on that Join button to become a member of Politics Done Right. If you don't see that Join button, here is the link. That is uh, politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. You can also support us on Patreon by going to politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon. And that's the link right there. You can support us on PayPal by going to politicsandright.com slash PayPal. And, of course, you can get our book, It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors, at this link here at uh, the Amazon link. But if you want to get rid of the middle person, just go ahead and visit politicsandright.com slash store where you can get a whole lot of our other products as well. All of that that you do support what we're doing here to make sure we can survive and continue to bring you our programming, our blogs, our books, all that good stuff. I know you can be anywhere, but the fact that you're here with me today, I thank you so kindly. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know
is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. <laughs>